you have your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. Uh, it's where we're going to be today. We'll be uh, starting to wrap up chapter 12, getting into chapter 13 over the next couple of weeks. Um, the Gospel of Mark has been a great book to the Bible so far for us. We've been going verse by verse. I really hope you guys have been enjoying it, because it's been a blast for me to be teaching. And I'm just, I'm so excited to be uh, starting to kind of get in the tail end and wrap it up for you guys. So if you have your Bibles... Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, is where we're going to be at today. If you don't have your Bibles, there should be some at the edge of the rows. You go ahead and tap your neighbor, ask him, hey, yeah, give me a Bible. Also, you can go on the Facebook page. The scriptures should be posted there as well. You can go ahead and find the scriptures for today on the Facebook page. And while you're there, go ahead and check in. Let someone know where you're at. Let them know what God is doing here at Impact City Church. And ask them if they would like the page as well. Last I checked, we're still under 500 likes. So it would be just incredible to hit 500 likes by the end of tonight. I think that would be a great thing. It's a challenge I hope you guys pick up a run with, and I think it's something we can do. So go ahead and share and like the page. Well, for the past few chapters in the Gospel of Mark, we've seen Jesus being challenged by various religious leaders uh, in the sector of Judaism. And for very good reason, here's a guy straight out of Nazareth who is just challenging and shaking and rallying up the land when just totally taking what they believe to be true, the way they believe to uh, worship God. And Jesus has come on the scene and he's totally transformed the way they think and the way they believe. And he's totally shaking around. And so they're feeling threatened. And so this week we find Jesus here in Jerusalem. And it is at the center of the kingdom of Israel. And you better believe that all of the religious leaders have come together this week to say, this is one of the, probably the last chances we're going to have to try to deflate this guy's ministry. And so they're here this week and they've been trying to get Jesus and trying to trip him up with some type of, uh, try to mess up his speech and try to uh, kind of make him contradict himself. We've seen the chief priests a couple of weeks ago come to Jesus and try to mess him up. We've seen the Pharisees and the Herodians kind of team up together and try to mess up Jesus. And then last week we saw the Sadducees come together and ask Jesus some loaded questions, trying to get him to trip up his ministry. And all of which, um, you know, have wanted to either one, trip up his ministry, and they've also even thought about trying to figure out how they can even end his life. They want his ministry gone out of the picture so much that they've even contemplated, and as you will see, planned how to end his life. And today, we're going to see one of the last challenges that Jesus will face before his death that's coming up in the next few chapters. And so as you read along here in chapter uh, 12 of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see a one more challenge for Jesus. So if you have your Bibles... Please uh, get there, chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 28. So this is what the Word of God says in Mark 12, 28. It says that one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing of one another. Now this is Jesus and the Sadducees. They were arguing with each other. They were discussing the law. And one of the scribes comes up. And he says, seeing them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the most important of them all? 
the scribe asked Jesus, which is the most important commandment from God above all of them? Which one is it? Verse 29 says this. Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Verse 32 says, And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You are right. You have truly said that he is one, and there was no other besides him. He's talking about God. And to love him with all your heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than a burnt offering and sacrifice. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to the scribe, he said this, he says, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And then it says that no, after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So this scribe comes up to Jesus and he asks him the simple question. The simple question, but it's different because whereas before groups of religious leaders were coming to Jesus and asking him questions, now we see a single individual coming up to Jesus. This single individual had enough courage to walk up to Jesus because he was intrigued by Jesus. Because he said that he saw Jesus answering the, uh, the, the Sadducees wisely. And so he wanted to know more about Jesus. This time, it was an individual walking up and he asked Jesus this question. He says, what does God care about the most? Which commandment does God care about the most? Out of all the commandments, which is the one commandment that is above all else the number one commandment that he cares about the most. And that's a question that if we were to ask each and every one of us here in the room, if I was to ask you this question, I would probably get a different answer for each and every one of the people who are here in the room today. Because we all have an answer to that question because we each take certain commandments from God more serious than other commandments from God. And depending on who you are, will determine which commandments you feel are more important than the others. We naturally do this. So if you don't know which ones they are, uh, maybe you might consider this. Uh, the one that you feel the most important uh, about, the one that you feel is most important to God, is usually the commandment that whenever you break it, you feel the most guilt and shame for. Whenever you think about the most important commandment to God, in your mind, the one that you think about, that when you break it, you feel the most shame for and guilt for, is probably, in your mind, the most important commandment that God has. Because whenever we break certain commands, our negative emotions will determine what we believe is the most important one. Certain ones that uh, you feel more shameful, more uh, sadness towards, more sorrowful towards, will reveal the ones that you feel are the most important things to God. Some of us think that God values, uh, what he values most is loving people. 
And so whenever we don't feel loved, or whenever we don't precipitate love back to someone else, we feel condemned to the shame for it. Whenever you've hurt someone's feelings, you can't think about anything else. You're anxious about the fact that you need to make it right. So you feel like God wants you to love other people, and that is the number one commandment in your mind. For others, it might be Bible reading. You might feel like, if I'm not reading my scriptures daily, then I'm not doing good by God. And so you adjust and you you judge yourself based upon the type of scriptures reading you've done throughout the week. If you read every day in the week, you're like, man, I am good with God. Everything is great. But if you have not read much for the week, say you haven't read much for the month, you feel as if your relationship with Christ is hindered because you feel that you've broken the commandment to always stay connected to him through his word. You see what I'm saying? And so you feel condemned for that. And so you feel that maybe that's maybe that's what you feel is number one. Uh, for other people, you might think that number one could be managing your finances. Maybe you think of, if I my finances are in order, then everything else should be good to go. Maybe you might feel as if it's, the way you manage your time or the way social justice or people doing wrong around the world, how they are dealt with or just how that goes around. Maybe that's what you feel is number one. But all of us have these things that God has told us to do that we naturally will elevate one above all the rest as the most important thing to us. But which is one of the most important things in the eyes of God? Which one is it? Which one of these things that God has told us to do, out of all the things he told us to do, which one is the number one thing that is most important to God? And that's exactly what the scribe wanted to know. This scribe, his profession was to gather all the laws of the land and to write them down, to understand the laws and to teach the laws to other people. So he knew all of the laws of God. And he knew all the laws that the Pharisees had created to continue to make sure that they were honoring the laws of God. He knew his laws. But in his mind, in his mind, he wanted to know what Jesus thought was the greatest commandment for God. And so he asked Jesus what he would think is the most, most important commandment from God. And it's here in the answer that Jesus gives them that we find out two things about the commandments of God. We find out that one, the number one greatest commandment from God is going to be weighty on us. That means it's going to be heavy. It's going to be burdensome. The number one commandment from God is going to be something that is hard for you and for me to do. The second thing that we find out from Jesus' answer is this, that even though it is hard to carry, and even though there was much weight involved, it is also the most joyful thing that we could do to follow God's greatest commandment. Now let's read along again and see exactly what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. If you have your Bibles, get back to verse 29. So verse 29 says this. Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And here's what he says. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 
Jesus' response to the question leaves us with two um, two inseparable commands. And these two commands are, 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 are inseparable from each other. And these commands are this. is number one, to love God supremely. And also to love others greatly. The greatest thing that God has commanded us to do comes in a package of two. Number one, to love God supremely. And number two, to love others greatly. Now, when Jesus says this, many of us will tend to think that he is trying to water down the commandments of God. We might think that maybe he doesn't care about all those other commandments that the scribe knows. Maybe he doesn't care about the Ten Commandments. Maybe he wants to narrow it down to just these two commandments, this two-part, one-answer commandment that he gives the scribe. And we think that because of that, he's trying to make it easy on us. But there is nothing further from the truth at this point. When Jesus says to love God supremely and to love others greatly, he is actually making it even more strenuous, more dubious, harder for us to obey. And he gives us a commandment that is almost nearly impossible for us to do. What he's doing is he is raising the bar for what obedience should look like. Now, Jesus never said that he was putting an end to all the laws. In fact, he, he never said that. In fact, that he said when he came, he came for us to live in obedience through the commandments. Uh, if you don't believe me, check out the Gospel of Matthew here uh, in verse 17 of Matthew 5. He says, I don't think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to, uh, he says, I do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to abolish them but not come to apologize them, but to fulfill them. He says, I ain't come to do away with the law. I've actually come to fulfill them and give them fulfillment and reason and purpose behind these laws. And so he doesn't say commandments are bad, but rather he says that commandments are the means by which we love God supremely and love others greatly. And it is through obeying them that we begin to demonstrate our love for God and our love for people. When we are obedient to God's commandments, we are able to love God supremely and love others greatly. Now, what's the difference between loving God supremely and loving others greatly? They're not the same. Notice he didn't mention them together in the same sentence. So when we love God supremely, we place him above everything else, even our own life. But when we love others greatly, we love them the way we would want to be loved ourselves. There is a difference. While I love myself, I still have to die to myself to love God supremely. So I love others the way I will love myself. I love God even more so supremely through that. Now what God wants from us in these commandments is a couple of things here. He wants right actions with the right art, heart all the time. Right actions with the right heart all the time. He doesn't want right actions with no heart, okay? The, this, this mindlessly obeying him and just making sure that you, you do everything he wants you to do, but without the love and without the passion and devotion, he doesn't want that. These are the people that we might know in church, maybe not this church, but the people in just church in general 
who know the scriptures, they're quick to throw out a scripture and say this or this says this, that the book of Romans says this, and this is why you're condemned, and this is why you're doing this, and they're quick to throw out a scripture. They know theology, they know everything really well, but they lack the sympathy for the sinner. They lack this, 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 they like to, they like to sympathize with those who are hurting. Now, he doesn't just want that, he also wants a right heart. So he doesn't want a right heart with no action, though, okay? To profess our love and devotion, yet never actually obey his commands, is not right. He says that these are the Christians who we might know who love God, who love people, but never live the way God wants them to live. These are the people that say, hey, it's all right. God loves you. Everything is great, but they neglect the commands of God, okay? And listen, if that is you here today, let me just say this, that I, if you're that person who says that God loves you, and he does, but yet you say you love him, and maybe you do, but you neglect his commandments. If that is you here today, if you say you love Jesus, but yet you neglect his commandments, I have serious doubts and questions about your relationship with Jesus. Because the sad truth is that if we can, we can say we love someone, but if we never actually prove it through our actions, do we really actually love them? And so I want you to take a personal inventory right now. If that is you, just really pray about that. At the end of the service, you, know, you need to talk to someone, find someone here in the church, a leader, Giancarlo, Sarah, you know, one of the people here in the church, and just pray with them. You know what? Or you know, fill out your communication card, say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I'm struggling with this. I need to, I need to figure this out. We have to uh, kind of you know, evaluate ourselves and make sure that even though we know we are loved by Christ, and even though that we do love Christ, that we are also showing that love by being obedient to his commandments and what he wants. God wants us to have right actions with the right heart. Now, if we're honest with each other, if we're honest with each other, that is the same thing that we want in all of our relationships here on earth. We want that in all of our relationships. None of us want to be in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, husband or wife, anyone, where you feel like they are simply telling you they love you and not actually proving it. You know, any one of us can profess our love to someone, but to actually do it. And then there's also that point of us that we want people to serve us. We want our relationships to be full of give and take, but whenever they serve us begrudgingly, they have the right actions, but not the right Heart. See, it's the same thing that you want in your relationship, and it's the same thing that you want in our relationship with God. He wants us to obey all of His commandments because it shows our love for Him, and it shows how we love Him supremely. So the way you fulfill the greatest commandment that He has given us, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, heart, your soul, and all your strength, which is to love Him supremely, is by us obeying all of his commandments. And this is the need. This need for us to obey his commandments should come naturally to us. Whenever you're in a relationship with the almighty living God, whenever you have surrendered your life to Jesus, this, this feeling that you have to obey his commandments should come naturally out of your heart. You should want to read his word. 
You should want to learn more about this incredible Savior that has come into your life. You should want community. You should want fellowship. When God is stirring in your heart, it is changing your, your life, and you should want to obey all of his commandments because when you see and long for that, it's a natural feeling. It's a natural thing to want to obey all of his commandments. And the only way we can ever get to that point is if we live a life that is under the full submission of the word of God. What we're actually doing is we are longing for what we lost back before sin entered the world in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis. Because that was the only time where humanity was ever actually obeying fully all the things that God wanted us to do. Whenever God spoke things into existence, he spoke and gave them direction, order, vitality, diversity, and he spoke joy into his creation. He spoke and everything in creation obeyed and did what they were told up until the point that sin entered and deceived us. And so he spoke to his image bearers, giving them direction, instruction, and wisdom. And he knew, uh, they knew one another, and not only did they know one another, uh, they knew one another uh, with love and service and transparency, not jealousy, frustration, or arrogance. When he created us, he created us perfect. And he created us as people who want to obey him because we love each other, because we serve each other, because we're transparent with one another and we live in joy with one another. We see this and we know that this is what we all really want in life. To be in that place where we have true love for one another. But the only this will only come when we live in full submission to the word of God. And it's supposed to all work out because that's what we were made to do. But like I said, we have been ruined by the rebellion of our selfish hearts and our fleshly desires to pursue sin over our pursuit of God. The word of God now, which originally should bring us joy and love and peace, when we listen to the word of God and the commands of God, these things should bring us joy. But now because of sin, and they have brought much weight to us, they have brought much condemnation to us when we read the word of God and we read the, the things that God wants from us we don't feel joyful about it we just tend to freak out about it okay because this is that because when we look at uh, what God wants us to do we feel like we cannot achieve that the apostle Paul says this talking about being in obedience to God's word here in the book of Romans uh, uh, chapter 8 says this in verse 7 it says for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot submit to God's law. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The demands of the word of God are so much for us. This is why we pick and choose which ones we value the most. That's why the scribes say, out of all these laws, I know so many laws, Lord, which one of these laws is most important? And that's why whenever we look at each other and we look at the Bible, we figure out what God wants for us to do. We pick and choose which one of these laws is probably the easiest for us to try to uphold. And we think that that must be the most important one to God. Where in reality, God wants us to uphold all of the laws of the land. He wants us to be obedient to him all the time. 
The problem is that the word is not with the word of God, but the problem is within our broken and ruined sinful hearts. That's the problem. We still have the longings for the life that we lost in chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis. And we desire that former life we once had as, as humans, yet we still don't obey God. And as a result, we feel hopeless at times. Have you ever read the Bible and you feel like, I cannot live up to these standards? There was no way that I can do everything here in the Bible. There is no hope for me. Why should I even pursue Christianity if I can't even live up to this? And I'll tell you this. You might feel like all hope is gone. You cannot fulfill the laws and the commandments of God. But let me tell you that there is a way that our hope still stand because Jesus came to us. The only reason and the only way that we're able to be able to obey the commandments of God is through the life of Jesus Christ that he gave up for us. He had to give us up, uh, he had to give up his life for us so we could enter the kingdom of God so God can look at us and say, that is my child who is perfect because of the spotless lamb that was sacrificed for us who is Jesus Christ. If we're ever going to regain that place in our in the world where we feel love and connected to God the way we originally were, the only way we can do it is through Jesus Christ. Okay? God had to find a way for us to get back to him. That is the way that he chose was through Jesus Christ. And the only true and perfect person who ever walked the earth was Jesus Christ. So obviously, he is the only person who can make a way for us to be connected back to God, that longing that all of our hearts desire, all the things that we want in life, we think there are certain things. We think that we want the best type of life. We think we want lots of money and the best job. We think we want the most perfect family. We think we want that, but in reality, our hearts are just longing for that relationship that we had with Jesus to begin with. And the only way we can get there is by loving him supremely through obeying his commandments. But the only way we can do that is through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the problem that the scribe had. This is the problem that the scribe had. You remember the scribe knew many laws. He knew many things, but he did not know the king who was standing right before him. He recognized the greatness and the importance of the word of God, but he failed to recognize the greatness and the importance of the king who was standing right before him. He knew of the kingdom, but he did not know of the king. Let's read that again, verse 32. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart, and to love him with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered him wisely, he said, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus has raised the bar for obedience and faithfulness to him. And the scribe actually agreed with him. 
the scribe said, you were right, teacher. Like, you were so right. All those things you said, Jesus, are so good. The thing about loving God with all your heart and all your understanding and all of your strength is so, so right on, Jesus. And Jesus agreed, but then Jesus said something different to this guy. He said that, hey, that is great. You answered very wisely. You, you were very good, but you are not far from the kingdom of God. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? He says that he was on the right track, that the scribe was on the right track. He knew of the kingdom. But notice Jesus didn't say, you are in the kingdom. Jesus didn't say, hey, that is so right. You're so wise. You are in the kingdom of God. He never said that. Rather, what he said was, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What he said was, you're not there yet. You're close, but you're not there yet. You got half the puzzle solved, man, but you're not there yet. He wasn't in the kingdom. You see, you don't get into the kingdom by just knowing and recognizing God's kingdom. You don't get into the kingdom of heaven. You don't get to be in that place where God originally designed us to be by just knowing the kingdom. No, 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 no. You get into the kingdom by recognizing the worth of the king who reigns in that kingdom. But how often do we confuse those two things? How often do we confuse knowing the kingdom for understanding and knowing the king? We say, over here, we know the kingdom. We know uh, about the kingdom. We know, I know my Bible. I know my scripture. I go to church every Sunday. But I lack the heart, the right heart that Jesus wants me to have. I don't know the king on a personal level the way I should. How often do we make it all about knowing the Bible instead of interacting with the God? Listen, listen. We cannot be sidetracked on this, though. We cannot allow ourselves to get sidetracked. We can't be so focused on obeying the commandments of the king, knowing the rules of the king, knowing the laws and the commands of the king that we forget to actually have a relationship with the king of eternity. We cannot be so focused on the work that we enjoy or we forget to enjoy the pleasure of the outcome. Because Jesus... Because Jesus is the only way to enter the kingdom of God. He is the only one who has obeyed and loved God supremely. He is the king and the doorway to the kingdom. And so the only way we can enter the kingdom is not just by knowing all of God's scriptures and commandments. It's by knowing the king who wrote them. And knowing him personally. So listen, if you were trusted in Jesus Christ already, then you are in the kingdom. You're not like the scribe who knows all the laws, knows everything, but doesn't recognize Jesus standing right before him. You're not like that. And if you know Jesus, then there is a future coming to you. A future that you will one day be able to enter the kingdom of God. And on that day, being obedient to Jesus will not be weighing on you anymore. It won't be hard to do. It will actually be easy for you to accomplish. But until that day, until that day, the weight of obedience will be 
difficult for us to bear. The commands of God are going to be hard for us to carry because the standards are so high. And listen, you will never reach them. You will never be able to reach them on your own. But it's okay. Because Jesus is now the standard for us. No longer do we have to worry about having to live up to the commandments of God. All we have to do now is trust and live up to the commandments of Jesus, which is the greatest commandment to love Him supremely and others greatly. We have to love God supremely and others greatly all the time. And as people who have come to know Jesus and have trusted Him, this should be natural for us. It's not about just reading your Bible. It's about reading your Bible out of supreme love for God. When you read God's Word in your hand and you look at what God's Word said, you have a love for God and you're enjoying what you're doing. It's not just serving others and doing it because you feel like you have to or Pastor Felix is pushing you to go out on Halloween and go trick-or-treating door-to-door and loving people or set up a, a Halloween party in your house and invite people over to your apartment, to your home and say, hey, you know, this is about Halloween, but let me tell you about Jesus also while we're here. Let me tell you what God is doing in my life. You're doing it out of love for other people. When we live like this, it becomes a joy to to obey the commandments of God because we're not building anything or creating anything when we're doing it. In fact, we're doing it because we are reinforcing what has already been done in our hearts. When we obey God and you believe in Jesus Christ and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not obeying him to get good standings with him. You're obeying him out of an overflow of what he has already done in your heart. And so now obedience is not a weight that we are hard to carry. It is a joy because it's not something we have to do. It's something that we want to do. You obey not to be given an inheritance. Because you've already been given that inheritance. You don't obey to create something between you and God. You obey because God has already created something new inside of you. And God's word tells us, therefore, to be imitators of God as beloved children, Ephesians 5, 1. So don't imitate God to become a child of God. Imitate God because you are a child of God. If you are a living, breathing, walking disciple of Jesus Christ, if you claim the name of Christian in your life, you should imitate God's love for everyone. His commandments should be a joy to you. And if you obey and follow him because you're, you're his already, our obedience reinforces who we are. And it reminds us that we are Christ's children. Jesus may increase the weight of obedience, but he also bears it upon himself and carries it for us. You will start loving God supremely. If you start loving God supremely, you will begin to realize that Jesus has already done it for you. And he has already made a way for you. Now in closing, let me ask you this. What are those things in your life that you know are keeping you from loving God supremely? What are the things in your life that are hindering you from obeying the greatest commandment 
that God has for us. Maybe it's feeling condemned for a past sin. Maybe you feel like I've screwed up so much that God cannot possibly love me. You know, listen, God has forgiven you for that. And he has made a way, and he has justified you for, for that through Jesus Christ. So don't let that be a hindrance to you. What about, maybe it's a current relationship that you know is poison to your walk of Christ. Maybe you have to just get away and just get rid of that person who keeps drawing you further away from Christ. Maybe it's something like that that's sending you away. Maybe it's the pressure of having to obey all of his commands. Let, let me tell you something. Let me just kind of, let me just kind of blow your mind here. You will never be able to live up to all of God's commands. And the only way that you have a slight, and the most, if you have a, a chance of even possibly doing that, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you shouldn't even worry about that. Don't let the weight of obeying all those commands hold you back from living a life of joy and enjoying what God has commanded you to do, which is obey Him with love and with joy. Or what about maybe that's that sin that you've been hiding from everyone in your accountability group? Maybe it's that sin that when we go to the missional city group, you want to bring up, but you're afraid to bring up because you're afraid everyone's going to judge you. Let me tell you something. We are all sinful people at heart. We have all screwed up. We all have a past. If we're to be the type of church that does not want to be open with our sin, then we're going to be the type of church that never wants to grow at all. And so what I challenge you to do is be open with someone in this church. Tell them what you have done. Have them pray over you. Have God's blessing be over you because you have, uh, you have said your sin, you have stated it, and you have told someone about it, and you renounce it, and you walk on it. You ask for repentance from that sin, and God has forgiven you for that sin because the book of James says that there is salvation for those who confess their sins to one another. But whatever it is that, is that is holding you back from loving God supremely and loving others greatly, let me challenge that whatever it is, maybe I didn't mention it in this list, but whatever it is, I challenge you to just let it go. Just let it go. You don't have to hold on to it no more. Stop holding on to what is holding you back and become the person that God has created you to be. Someone who obeys with love and joy. Someone who finds their value and worth in obeying Jesus by loving Him supremely and loving others greatly. Don't let the weight of obeying God keep you from the joy of obeying God. Let's all pray.